What up, what up, what up? Got some good stuff for you this week. The Dallas Cowboys keep giving Dak Prescott the hint that he isn't that guy, but he won't take it. What's the next stop for the GOAT, Tom Brady? Boxing is set to make a comeback with a mega heavyweight fight for the WBC title. On the NBA front, Andy Noel joins us again to talk about NBA All-Star Weekend and look forward to the remainder of the regular season and a little early playoff talk. All that and more. So sit back, relax, and listen up to episode 57 of The Format. So obviously the NFL season is over, so I'm not going to take too much time talking about that. We got a lot of basketball to get to today, but um, where do we start? How about them, cowboy? <laughs> so we are still dealing with the Dak Prescott contract issue. If the fact that he still hasn't gotten paid doesn't prove that the Cowboys don't believe he's that guy, I don't know what does. So recently... Cowboys legend Emmett Smith had some comments about how Dak should handle things in terms of his contract negotiations. He basically said Dak should take a team-friendly deal because of all the money he can make off the field. Now, there's been a lot of backlash to those comments, and I can see both sides of it. First, Emmett Smith is being pretty hypocritical here because when he played for the Cowboys, he held out to get paid. So there's that. Now, let's take into account that a running back's career is much shorter than a quarterback's career, and the game back then was much more physical than it is now. So I get that. But at its core, it's just a bad look. Number one, Emmett, you broke the unwritten rule by commenting on another guy's money. That's when somebody tells you, get your hands out of my pocket. And number two, he held out to get his, but he's telling somebody else to take a pay cut for the team? Nah, that don't sound right at all. But let's look at the other side of that. Emmett Smith does make a very great point that Dak Prescott has a lot of money to be gained in endorsements just by virtue of being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, so-called America's team. I mean, let's think about this. We've already seen him in multiple national ad campaigns, so it wouldn't kill him to take less. Let's be real here. If he was the quarterback of the Lions, and I'm using the Lions because I think Matt Stafford would be great in Dallas and Zach would be even worse than Stafford in Detroit, do we really think if he was the quarterback of the Detroit Lions that he'd be able to get that kind of off-field money and endorsements? No. Number one, because he wouldn't win nearly as many games because he wouldn't have the offensive line, he wouldn't have the run game, he wouldn't have the organizational support that he does with the Cowboys. And secondly... He's just not that good. I mean, it's been proven, but we're not going to get into that right now. All right. Especially the fact that he's a quarterback who might, and I say might, because I don't believe he is, and he's probably not a top 10 quarterback and certainly not top five. Please. 
again, hey, if Dak wants to bet on himself, a la Joe Flacco, that's fine. But in my eyes, he hasn't done nearly enough to demand the type of money that he's asking for. And just because he's up next does not mean if I'm an owner that I got to give it to him. For me, you want elite money, you have to earn it. And Dak Prescott has not done that. The evidence is there. I don't know why it's so hard to deny the evidence. He's just not that guy, right? So if I'm Jerry Jones, do I give him what he wants? Nah. Not going to be able to do it. Franchise him or let him walk because nobody else is going to give him the kind of money he's looking for. But hey, time will tell, right? As for a real elite QB, arguably the best who's ever done it, we still don't know where Tom Brady is going to end up playing next season. There's now reporting that the Tennessee Titans are in the lead to land him with the Raiders and Patriots in second and third place. I guess his closeness to Mike Vrabel, the Titans head coach, who used to be his teammate in New England, probably has something to do with that and uh, could play a big role in it. Um, Vegas, the new home of the Raiders, that's a big money town with a coach in John Gruden who's known for being a quarterback guru. That could have something to do with them being a prospective landing spot. And, of course, the Patriots simply have 20 years of equity. Brady's comfortable there. He, you know, he lives there. His family's there. He knows the system. He knows the franchise. He knows the facilities inside out. Everything is perfect as he wants it. He wouldn't have to change a thing. You go someplace new, there's a learning curve, no matter how great you are. So, you know, all those things are things to think about. Um, I guess, you know what? I'm not even going to try to dig into this. I'm just going to sit back and wait and see whatever happens with this. And I'll give it my thoughts then. But um, it's definitely going to be an interesting one because we're going to find out one way or another if Brady leaves. Was it Brady or was it Belichick? For a while now, the welterweight division has been the best division in boxing. You got names like Oscar De La Hoya, Manny Pacquiao, Miguel Cotto, Sugar Shane Mosley, Canelo Alvarez, Juan Manuel Marquez, Arturo Gatti, Floyd Mayweather Jr., now guys like Errol Spence Jr., Terrence Bud Crawford, one elite fighter after another, and a bunch of them going into the Hall of Fame, if not already there. But yet, boxing is slowly faded out from being one of the most popular sports in America and eventually got surpassed by MMA, specifically the UFC. My question is, why is that? I got a thought. Because as many elite fighters as there are in boxing, and no matter how many great fights we get, there's too many great fights we don't get, you know, because you got stupid promoter squabbles and guys ducking each other uh, under the guise of making business decisions. Thanks, Floyd. But anyway, um, also because the glamour division, the heavyweight division, hasn't truly been dominated by an American fighter since Mike Tyson. We've had American champions since then. Uh, you know, you had George Foreman coming back. Of course, you have Michael Moore, who George Foreman beat. You had Evander Holyfield. You had Riddick Bowe. There have been American champions, but none have dominated like Mike Tyson until we got Deontay Wilder. Now, six foot seven WBC world heavyweight champion who's got at least a slice of the greatest individual prize in sports and brought it back to America. He calls himself the Bronze Bomber. This guy has 42 wins in 43 fights with 41 of the 42 wins by knockout. He is the most dangerous puncher in boxing today, hands down. He's charismatic. 
He's a trash talker inside the ring and a nice guy outside of it. But he's got a bazooka in his right hand that lays dudes down and they almost never get up. And tonight, well, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, he has a rematch against the only man who ever made it out of the ring against him without a loss or a knockout. Tyson Fury, his challenger from Great Britain, also knows, known as the Gypsy King, is 30-0 and 0 with one draw against Deontay Wilder. And is one of the few opponents that can look down on Deontay Wilder. So now you really have a heavyweight fight with two huge men, six foot seven, six foot nine. This could be a basketball game, not a boxing match. But the funny thing about uh, Tyson Fury is that at six foot nine, he's a tremendous skill fighter, and that could be the fact that he comes from a boxing family. He's got great reflexes, tremendous defense, uh, great speed in terms of you know moving his head, slipping punches. Really good defensive fighter, excellent counterpuncher. Maybe the best skill fighter that Deontay Wilder has fought yet. Now, he clearly doesn't have the power Deontay Wilder has, but he's a much better boxer, right? So this is the second match uh, with those two. The first one was a controversial draw. Maybe it could have gone either way. Um, Tyson Fury was uh, leading the fight on most judges' cards going into the final round where he got dropped, almost knocked out, and managed to get back up and continue to fight against Deontay Wilder. And that was a surprise because the way he went down, you thought that was it. But um, this is, you know, the classic boxer versus puncher matchup. Uh, but the good thing is it's going to have plenty of stand and fight action to entertain everyone. It's not going to be one of those Floyd Mayweather things where you're just running around or slipping punches and not willing to engage, right? We get it. Sweet science, uh, hit and don't get hit. But it's still a gladiator sport. And at the end of the day, people want to see some action, right? Action fights are entertaining. And, and you know, that's that. Uh, there's something to be said for great defense, but still action fights. Those are what bring people to watch boxing. Um, here's something else to look forward to if you're a fan of either fighter or if you're just a plain boxing fan. Whoever wins this one should be directly in line for the next mega match to consolidate the heavyweight titles against Anthony Joshua. So that should be another great one. And uh, this is good, man, because if the heavyweight division comes back, then boxing comes back. And there's too many great fighters right now throughout all the divisions not to be enjoying such an incredible sport as boxing. But, um, you know, first things first, you got to get the heavyweight division right especially if you're an American fight fan, you want to see an American heavyweight back to dominance. And right now, for the most part, you're seeing it with Deontay Wilder, providing he doesn't lose tonight. Um, and then secondly, promoters got to get out of their own way, put aside all the nonsense, put aside all the machinations and the careful fight matchups and slowly bringing the fighter along and make the fights that people want to see. Don't make them five years too late. Don't make them two years too late. Make the fights people want to see. Let's stop putting business interests ahead of making compelling fights. Because if you make compelling fights, the fight will be successful. Boxing will be successful. Everybody will win. The fan will win. The fighters will win. The sport will win. The promoters will win. Let's make the big fights, plain and simple. If we get a classic heavyweight fight tonight, then that's just all the better for boxing in particular and in sports in general.
So here we go. Joining the Format Podcast once again is our official basketball analyst, AAU coach, and hoops head, Andy Noel. Welcome back to the show, Andy. It's been a while. Bruce, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. Absolutely. So um, I have been kind of... <laughs> Kind of skimping on the NBA, obviously, while football season was in full swing because we know NFL is king in this country and college football a close second. But now, unless you're a hockey guy, it is NBA time all the way. So let's start here. Obviously, uh, last weekend was NBA All-Star Weekend. And um, tell me, wh- what did you think of the festivities? And I guess, of course, we'll begin with the uh celebration of the life and and legacy of Kobe Bryant who obviously tragically um passed away with uh eight other people in that helicopter accident including his own daughter tell me what did you think of the the tributes and the uh celebration of his life that the NBA put forth i guess along with David Stern and his recent passing yeah 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 that was uh the the january was a tough month for for the NBA um, tough month in terms of the, the major losses that they took um, in Kobe Bryant and David Stern. Um, kudos, kudos to them for being able. I mean, you, you, you know, hats off to whoever was in charge of the uh, the, the ceremony and and all all of the commemoration along with the uh, keeping the Chicago theme in mind while, during all of that. All of all, all of that creativity and all of, all of the honorable mentions that were being that were kind of being added to the equation. Um, there was was common with uh, Chance the Rapper mm-hmm. with Shaka Khan. Right. Um, very, very. It was it was tastefully done. Right. Again, hats off to those that were in charge. Um, I don't think uh, symbolically, right? Symbolically, they did an excellent job of of you know, um, honoring Kobe Bryant, and to a lesser degree, of course, to a lesser degree, and I'm not sure if it's either right or wrong, or even if it's right or wrong, uh, with David Stern. I think with Kobe, Kobe being more unexpected and more recent, it was probably more of a focus on that, especially given the amount of players that were affected. Um, the, the, the the focus was more on Kobe, but they they, they certainly were not shy about. Um, Adding, making sure that everybody was remembered. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was really cool. Uh, touching, more touching than I wanted to admit, uh, but it was it was pretty cool. Um, in terms of the events, um, I think one of the things that I find that I found to be interesting was I like the skills competition. Before we get to um, that, before we get to that, let me ask you a quick sure. thing. Um, there was a lot of talk prior to All Star Weekend about different ways the NBA could honor the life and legacy of Kobe Bryant, again, one of its all-time great players and a guy I like to call Michael Jordan Light. So uh, the question for me is, do you believe that the NBA did the right thing in renaming the All-Star MVP trophy after Kobe? There was talk of him possibly becoming the new logo and this and that. Do you think that they handled it the right way with the way they commemorated him in terms of renaming the uh, All-Star trophy after him? I did, actually. I thought that was smart. Um, and I thought, and here's why. Kobe was probably the last, and KD, but KD wasn't there, but Kobe was is was one of the last 
of the the, the of that of the previous era where guys were actually competitive. Kobe wasn't one of the guys that was out there just having fun when in even in All Star games, as evidenced by I'm not sure what year it was, a couple years back when he was guarding LeBron James one on one and basically locked LeBron up the entire every time they were on the floor together and LeBron kind of looked nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the Kobe was Kobe embodied um, competition. Like him or love him. I mean, love him or hate him, he, he was a competitor. Um, and, you know, the hope is, hope, as evidenced by the end of that game, how competitive they were, hopefully going forward, given that the, 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 the award is named after somebody who's known for being a competitor, it'll inspire competition to come back to that event. I thought it was, I thought it was a, a pretty decent idea. I thought it was a good idea. Nice. So you were um, you were about to start telling me uh, your take on All Star Saturday Night and the different events. Um, me personally, I really enjoyed the three point shootout. I mm-hmm. thought, you know, maybe someone called me crazy. I thought that was the best event of the night. Watching Devin Booker and Buddy Hield just get nuclear <laughs> was was amazing. I think uh, Buddy Hield finished with what twenty seven, Booker with twenty six or twenty eight, twenty seven, but. It was great, and and then of course in in true Mamba fashion, Buddy Heald basically knocks down the contest winner as time is running out. So I thought that was really cool too. Um, tell me what you thought about All Star Saturday Night and uh, the different events. So funny thing, funny that you should say that, right? So there are a couple of players who were kind of Kobe Kobe descent uh, Kobe uh, uh, disciples. Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, you know, Kobe being the, the Jedi, I guess, the Jedi Master. So, um, you know, uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Paul George, um, <clears throat> Kawhi Leonard, Devin Booker, Buddy Hill, you know, these are all guys who, who've trained with Kobe, right? Um, and and, who, who've, and uh, Kyrie Irving, of course, who have trained with him and were, um, were had started to adapt his philosophy also. Um, Jason Tatum started to adapt how he approached the game. Um, so funny that you said that Buddy Heald and Buddy Heald and, and Devin Booker. It's poetic that those two would be the last guys, you know, the last two guys standing and Buddy Heald hitting the big shot towards the end. Um, I happen to think that I agree with you and the um, <clears throat> with the um, three-point shooting being the best. Because what, what happens is it's still an emphasis on, at least in that event, it's an emphasis on skills. Um, I think what, and what's happened in today's NBA, skill, skill has been trumped by athleticism, um, and, and, and skill has now taken a back seat to, um, to, to that athleticism, to the athletes. So, so fundamental and skilled players are almost forgotten about, or, or I would say forgotten about, but they're, they're to a large degree diminished until you see situations like that, which is leading me to my next point, um, talking about the skills competition. It's mm. amazing how many guys can't just make a chess pass. Yeah, right? and you know, you it, know it's yeah. funny, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. During the skills competition, I was watching it, and um, I think we follow each other on Twitter. I don't know if you saw when I tweeted out how disgraceful it was that not one guard advanced in the skills competition. Exactly. 
tackles. That's a bad thing. I've been raving for years about the fact that guards can't make a simple post-entry pass anymore. Now, of course, part of that is how the game has changed and blah, blah, blah. But that's a basic point guard skill that they can't do. And we saw uh, a serious issue in the fact that not one guard advanced in the skills competition. What's your thought on that? So to, to kind of unpack what you just said a little bit, right? You said the game has changed. It, it, that could be a function of the game changing. Mm, why? Okay, there's certain things that are just basic, right? The game is the game isn't as complicated as, as it's made out to be. Passing, shooting, dribbling, rebounding, defense. Um, you know, and 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 laying and finishing, laying the ball up. That's true. The game ain't that complicated. You, if you can't be proficient in those areas, like what qualifies you to be an NBA player, right? Especially the smaller you are, right? Patrick Beverly couldn't make that chest pass. Like what? what? Now, me being a coach, me being an individual as well as team coach, I, if any one of my players who, who who will tell you that they work with me. It, the simplest thing, when especially when you have multiple kids playing, it's really basic. When you pass the ball, you make sure you are following through with protocol. Thumbs down after the release. You know, elbows in, thumbs down. Follow, snap your wrist on the release. Very simple, very basic. And if you don't do that, we don't we don't proceed to the next drill. And it, the, the the issue is again. Fundamentals have been trumped by athleticism. And so now you have guys who can't, when they are in these instances specifically, they don't have the chops to be able to play at the basic level. So now you have Bam Adebayo out doing guards in where guards used to dominate. So it's, it's just an interesting situation, right? Hey, listen, I was watching Bam Adebayo's story the other day, and how he kind of got a late start, but his his coach would say how much of a how dedicated he was and and, and raved about his work ethic because they had to build on because he was late to the game they had to kind of build on skill development. So what the the success that you're seeing him now is the result of that skill development along with. The, the the player development that happens with the Miami Heat, who they know that they they've been uh, credited with having a pretty pretty decent um, player development program. Uh, player the de- player development system. Mm-hmm. So had he not had those basic fundamentals and not done all that skill work ahead of time, he wouldn't be able to absorb what he wouldn't be able to benefit from that player development system that they have in Miami. So it's uh it, it's 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 interesting, but I I mean. I thought it was. I thought it was really. I enjoyed it. Right. I, I watched it. I watched it and had probably a better time watching the Saturday night than I than I typically did. All right. And um. So moving on to, I'll say the glamour event of All Star Saturday Night. What I personally believe used to be the glamour event of All Star Saturday Night, the dunk contest. Right. So we have two things to kind of look at here in regards to the dunk contest. For me. Um, the number one is just the lack of star power, but, but we'll get to that. Um, and the number two is, I guess, what was kind of the bigger issue, uh, throughout sports media was whether or not Aaron Gordon got robbed for the second time in, 
uh, his uh, competitions in the dunk contest, the first against Zach Levine in 2016, I believe, and then, of course, here in 2020. And also, kind of, I've been hearing some things, where Aaron Gordon ranks all-time in dunk contest participants and where some of his dunks rank. So um, what, what do you think about that? So I happen to think that Aaron Gordon did a really good job. I, I Initially, I was like, so I thought that the dunks that, um, I forgot what his, what his, what his uh, Derrick Jones Jr. Derrick Jones Jr. from Miami. Yeah, okay. Uh, so Derrick Jones, I kept, I said he kept on doing the same, a variation of the same dunk. Over I thought over. that too. I thought that too. Yeah, the between the legs, the Isaiah Ryder. But after looking at it a couple of times, I came to realize he didn't miss that many. Aaron Aaron Gordon missed a lot of dunks. Mm. So if you if you're going to compare, let's use Jordan in '88 with all those Jordan against Dominique in '88. Mm-hmm. He didn't miss any. He didn't miss any of those dunks. Right. Right. It's it's listen. We're gonna come up here. We're gonna handle this business. Get it get it done quickly. So there is. And, and initially, my thought was Aaron Gordon got Aaron Gordon got robbed. Because his dunks were a whole lot more creative. They 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 they, they displayed his athleticism and his creativity mm-hmm. a whole lot more than um than 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 um, Derrick Jones Derrick Jones used it. Having said that, you can't be you can't be you can't be rewarded for missing just because you know the, the end result ended up being what you ultimately was trying to accomplish. Right? Those those misses have to account for something and. I think also the scoring system kind of sucks, right? Which we kind of added to that as well, because had being able to only go, see everybody, everything is now nobody ever gets a five anymore. No, right? everything is everything is either eight or nine or ten, mm-hmm. and, and eight is eight, eight is the rarity, right? Because nobody wants to hurt anybody's feelings, right? Right. So if you have a range of if you have a range maybe up to thirty or fifty, you know we can go anywhere from one to to, to 30 or 50 now the numbers it, be, it becomes a little easier to rank them versus this nine this this one to ten you don't really have a lot of room and you don't want to you know these again everybody's worried about you know everybody's worried about being attacked or being hated on and you know the response is going to come in social media if you if you if i feel slighted so no one wants to no one wants to kind of put somebody out there and say hey you suck. Like they're not. Nobody's gonna put Charles Barkley. Nobody's gonna give Charles Barkley an opportunity to grade these guys because Charles Barkley's gonna keep it real. Like him, love him or hate him, Charles Barkley's gonna say that stuff. You can't come out here and miss that many times and think I'm gonna reward you for it. So I think I think a portion of it is you probably need to change how you rate these guys. Um, I thought Aaron Gordon was creative. I just think I think what's his name got robbed. Oh, Pat Connaughton. Yeah, so I definitely agree with you on that, Andy. A lot of the commentary that I heard was kind of that they need to, in the scoring, as you mentioned, they need to institute 
um, some type of decimals, maybe, you know, get into a 0.5 or a 0.3 or whatever it is. That way it makes it easier to differentiate between the dunkers because if you're giving everybody 50s or everybody, let's just say 45s, then how do you separate it out? And my second thing is I, I get that the all-star game and the festivities are for the people and blah, blah, blah. But I am not a proponent of celebrity judges. It's my feeling that the easiest way to do this and get it right, get former uh, dunk contest competitors to be your judges. Why do we not have a Spud Webb or, or a Nate Robinson or a Vince Carter? He's still an active player, but he's no longer an all-star, and he's one of the greatest dunk contest champions ever. Uh, pull Isaiah Ryder out of whatever weed-induced haze he's in. You know, but, but you get the point I'm trying to make, whether it's a Brad Doherty or a Dr. J. Get these, and Dr. J has done it in the past, but the point is there are enough prior dunk contest competitors that you can get them out there as judges. Your thoughts? No, I agree. I totally agree. But I think what the NBA is trying to do is that they're, they're more focused on trying to capture the eyeballs of the of a, a wider audience. So they're trying to leverage. They're trying to leverage the celebrity of of, of some of these so whoever whoever's hot these days uh, in order to reach that objective. The problem is the guys like you and I who are who are more concerned with authenticity and quality versus you know the flash that comes along with that celebrity you that, that gets lost upon us right you know as i said you know chadwick boseman right great actor right um and, and up-and-coming guy but you know what prior to watching him judge this dunk contest what have have what has he ever done basketball centric that we know about right you know not not much right um dwayne wade at this point you know has dwayne wade ever Participated in the dunk contest? No. Right. So, so ah, not to my knowledge, right? Candace Parker, love, I love, I love Candace Parker, love her game. Um, but and she's, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, her, maybe her, maybe her, maybe her bona fides in in that regard is is her um, having been one of few female ball players that ever dunked in a game. So maybe, maybe she, you know, maybe she's a credible source. But you could, to your point, right? Get some, get some former dunkers, man. Put Vince Carter in there, right? Put. You know, where's Isaiah, Isaiah Ryder been? Put him in there, right? Get some of the former guys who've been there, um, you know, who, who still have some rec- who still have some name recognition. And it also allows the NBA to continue to tie their past to their to their future, right? Because I, I don't think, think they have any them. interest in doing that, as you as you mentioned. And I'm sitting here kind of yeah. smiling to myself. I don't think they have yeah. any interest in doing that. And a quick aside to that, I was listening to. Uh, I can't remember what podcast yesterday, and they were kind of talking about one of the main differences between the NFL, uh, the NBA, and Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball lives in its past, and its its history is so supremely important. The NBA can't do that because if they did that, what's going to happen is it's going to end up degrading the marketing that they're trying to do of their current players. Because Agreed. if you if you push the history, you're going to see where the flaws of the current generation lie, and they can't Agreed. do that from a monetary perspective. But the, let me get off my soapbox. Back to the dunk contest we were discussing. Sorry. No, no, no. That's, uh, I, I I concluded my point, uh, or you concluded my point for me. I agree. If you're able, if there's a, there's a credibility problem um, as as it relates to to the guys who are making the call, it just doesn't seem authentic, right? So what point of reference does Chad Bozwick have? when he's scoring this nine or this 10 or what have you, right? You know, compared to what, right? Am I impressed? Am I not impressed? What am I, you know, how much, how, you know, what have I seen in the past 
that, that I can compare this to and say, okay, well, this is good versus that. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, to your point, having a having a having some former dunk dunk contest winners in there or some some current high flyers, right, would right. really lend it some credibility and and and, and add and add you know add, add, add a flare of of for, for lack of a better term believability in 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 these in these things. But I think Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon, I thought initially he got robbed. Then I thought about it afterwards. I'm like, uh, he missed a couple of dunks, right? Yeah, yeah. They were the degree of difficulty of them were really tough, and you ended up doing them. But you missed a couple of dunks. Fair enough. Fair enough. So let's uh, move off from the dunk contest and kind of quickly your thoughts on the new uh, format. I get what they were trying to do, and everyone is lauding it, saying it's great. For me, the biggest thing is if they could play that hard in the fourth quarter, why couldn't you play that way all game? And some people make the argument that, you know, maybe the first half was a show for the fans. But guess what? Fans who love basketball are going to love it if you guys, the best players in the world, play hard for 48 minutes. Or, well, not 48 minutes, but, you know, for the duration of the game. Um, your your quick thoughts on that before we go ahead on to uh, remainder of the season and playoff outlook. So, this is the point I was making earlier, right? We are not at a point where guys don't... Guys don't really look to compete, right? This is like I mean, it's, and I don't I don't even necessarily blame the players alone, right? The media, the media doesn't help, right? It's like the game is no longer about wins and losses. You're celebrated for losing, right? A, a point that I've made before, right? LeBron James has been lauded as you know the you know being put into the category with Michael Jordan. He's he's leapfrogged everybody and and, and put into the category. Of being being second to the greatest to the game's greatest player, when, but when when it counts the most, LeBron James has a a thirty three percent winning record, and and something I've said to you before privately. If you look at that as a GPA, it's a one dot three two GPA. Who the hell celebrates a one dot three two GPA? <laughs> right. That to so, get you on academic probation, or. <laughs> and see, bro, you get. I got. I almost got. I got kicked out of school for two. I think I had a two one. Um, so, so, so it was, you know, sorry for dating myself, but, um, it was, but it was, we are now at a point where the lines are blurred in terms of what the objective is, right? So now you have got, why, why would I come in here and compete if I'm not being held to a standard to ask me to compete, right? So, so I can come in here and lose and get my tail kicked and never have to compete directly with anybody and still be, still be celebrated. Oh wow! Look at his numbers. Wait a minute. He ran from the competition the entire series. Yeah, but so what? You know, he got these numbers. So now we're at a point where these guys don't necessarily have to compete. So now you say, okay, in the fourth quarter, this is what the incentive was. To the point you just made. Why did they need that incentive? Right. The, the guy who the award is named after is Kobe Bryant, who competed every time he was on the floor. Why is that not the standard? Right. Why is that? You are on the floor. Look, I don't want to be the guy saying the guy sounded like he's in. You know, the guy sounded like, you know, saying, get off my lawn. Mm-hmm. But I remember watching the, the, the playoff, the, the, the uh, eight All-Star game as recently as 10 years where guys were competing. Yeah. Right? Uh, um, where, where, guys, where guys were going after one another. Right? And it's just so all of a sudden it's become this, this three-point shooting dunk-a-thon. You're letting guys go to the basket, so on and so forth. Yeah, it, it, when did that happen? Right? It, it's, it, listen, I don't, again, I don't want to get on my soapbox. 
but I think it has a lot to do with the face of the league, right? The face of the league does decide, doesn't necessarily like to go direct competition, right? And it, it's evidence why, right? When he tried to take on when he tried to take on um, Giannis one on one, Giannis was punching his shot. Right? right. You don't right. have the help of you don't have the help of anybody setting the screen for you. You're not running off any screen. It's mano a mano, man on man, and you got to take me on one on one. And you see what it looks like when that happens. So now, as opposed to, and this is again going back to the, the beginning of the discussion, because it's been such a, a taste of, of, of skills, so now there's no requirement for these players to have skills. So if I don't have any skills in order to be able to be competitive, what do I have to do? I have to improvise. So now guess what we have? We have this, these layup lines to the rim, and it's just a bunch of guys just hanging out playing at the park, and all of a sudden in the fourth quarter it turns on competition. It's crazy. Oh, got you, got you. Uh, I couldn't say it any better. Um, so let's let's go to uh, remainder of the season and playoff outlook. And before I get into that, one of a player that I really like, but I'm really confounded by. We don't have a whole lot of time left, but we'll touch on this. Is Joel Embiid, who I have said, I know I've said this to you, I've said this to other people I talk to. He could easily be the best player in the game. He could be the most dominant player. I don't think he wants it badly enough. And then, of course, there are the analytics of today's game that say the post-up shot is the worst shot in basketball, which I'm not a mathematician, but I really, for the life of me, can't understand how a game where the focus is getting the highest percentage shot, which generally comes closer to the rim, now suddenly is the worst shot in basketball. But that's a different story. Anyhow, uh, two nights ago, Joel Embiid, the first game back after the break, had 39 and 16 and had some comments afterwards to the to the tune of, you know, he wants to go out and dominate, show everyone he's the best player in the world. What are your thoughts on him saying that and the fact that he's so inconsistent in his big game production? See, I have a, I live in this Philadelphia area, so I have a chance to watch all of his games, all of the Sixers games. Um, Joel Embiid is a dominant player. Joel Embiid, you, you can see... You can see his instincts are off because he started playing late. So he has a tendency to put the ball down in traffic. He has a tendency to, to expose the ball when he when when he grabs a rebound. He doesn't. So he doesn't he doesn't secure the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. So I teach my bigs. We you teach your bigs when you grab a rebound, chin it. That's putting the ball on yes. your chin and sticking your elbows out. Right? Yes. Clear so the rebound. That's what we used to call it growing up. Clear, clear the, the rebound. rebound. Pass to yeah. pass to a guard. Mm-hmm. Run down run down and post up. Basically, when Gerald, when uh, when Joel Embiid gets the ball, he'll grab a rebound, and start dribbling. Yeah. And and you're seven foot two or whatever your height is, right? It's nothing for a six a six one guard, six two guard to come and take the ball right from under you. Mm-hmm. Reason being, you can see it's not necessary. It's a bunch of bad. He's got a bunch of big man. He got a bunch of big man bad habits. So it's it's more a function. What you're looking at is more a function of bad habits than it is. Um, him, him just not being willing to, to go out there and dominate. Not to mention, um, they don't have any shooters, right? They don't, they don't always have shooters on the floor. So you'll see him flourish in games where Ben Simmons is not in the game because Ben Simmons, because typically the guy who's, who's replacing Ben Simmons can shoot. Ben Simmons can't shoot. So when you have Ben Simmons on the floor, you have Al Horford on the floor. So essentially, uh, you have, you have three bigs on the floor at the same time and, and maybe one to one shooter. That's not gonna work. Right. right? So he, right. Need, he needs space. He needs space to operate. And my, my so your your problem with him is his your problem with him is his unwillingness to 
his unwillingness to go down there and dominate. My problem with him is he doesn't want to pass the ball when he's getting double teamed, right? So he's there's three people standing around him. He has to figure out that listen, you don't need to, you don't need to try to score on 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 a triple team. You need to be smarter about that and kick it out. This so many he has so many bad habits that you can see that develop from not playing, not playing in for the right coaches or under the right circumstances. Fair enough, fair enough. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, before we head on out of here, let's talk about your kind of outlook on the remainder of the regular season. Now we get into the playoff push. Um, it seems like the All-Star break happened uh, a little later than it normally does because we've only got, what, 25 games left or something like that before the before the playoffs start. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about that. Um, I'm, in- I'm interested to see what happens. I think, I think Philadelphia make the push. I think Brett Brown is getting... Is, you know, remaining with Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia makes a push. Brett Brown has got the confidence now to, to start making some more some more moves. He's, he's moved Crawford to the bench. They've gotten some shooters. So I think you'll see them make a push. Um, I think they, I think that team is probably better built for the playoffs than the regular season. So I think I think you'll see a push there. I think, uh, and I also think Milwaukee continues to do what they do. Uh, the one team I don't really have an under, I don't really have a feel for is Boston. I thought Tatum had arrived, and I watched what Tatum did against. Um, he was being affected by whoever I forgot who was guarding him. Was it, it wasn't that, it was Minnesota. I'm sorry. Yes. So they were, they were playing against Minnesota, and he was getting thrown off his game. So here's, here's the thing with the league, right? One of these guys get an opportunity to watch you and 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 see what you do and see what affects you, they copy it, right? So, they, they, you know, that's, that's what scouts are for. So, if Tatum, if Tatum was, had kept the momentum that he had had from the, from the, uh, from the, uh, for that game against the Clippers, I'd have been like, okay, Boston is a real problem now. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, the, the reality is Tatum is the best player. Um, and the combination of Tatum, um, Brown, and, and Gordon, that, that's a formidable trio. Right? And, and that's what I was going to say, you know, uh, not to interrupt you, but, you know, Boston has a lot of weapons. They have four guys who can legitimately give 20 on any given night. Obviously, you won't get 20 from all four on, you know, every game, but you have four guys who can legitimately get 20. So having that type of diverse weaponry is um, it, it's a good thing. But um, m- moving off the Celtics, uh, and I, I did, I had picked the Sixers coming out of the East before the season started because I just, and maybe it's just the old school mentality, I believe in size and, and the way they can defend and score down low. But I noticed they have only lost two games at home so far this season, but they're terrible on the road and that's not going to get it done in the playoffs. At any rate, let, let's go over to the West. Do you see any any surprises there? Obviously, it's pretty much a two-horse race coming out of the West between the Clippers and the Lakers and um, I guess an arms race so you could you know you could kind of say and obviously the Clippers are winning that but do you see any surprises any possible upsets in the playoffs I don't I see the Clippers coming out but what do you say um I see the Clippers coming out so the the, the Clippers the Clippers so the Lakers just got Marquise Morris the other Morris brother that happened yesterday and they got rid of they got rid of Bookie Cousins um <laughs> Wow. So okay. How, your freaking career is expendable. 
It is. When, when it comes to LeBron James, it's like, yo, bro, you listen. They're saying it's only business, bro. That's an interesting move um, because I don't know if that neutralizes. If it neutralizes the move for Marcus Morris, I still see the Clippers, right? Because it's essentially, you know, it, it, it is what it was before. Um, and and the, issue, it, the issue becomes, so now you have somebody that can guard LeBron, you have somebody that can guard Kawhi, now it's going to be all the other pieces. I still think the Clippers win because the, the issue is you don't have, you've got two guys who are leading the Lakers that are finesse players. LeBron's a finesse player, AD's a finesse player. And both guys aren't necessarily closers. You have a couple of closers in you have a couple of closers in the Clippers. And hate him or love him, Reggie Jackson is a is a closer. Not always a good closer, but Reggie Jackson's a closer. You got dudes that are ready to take that shot. So it's gonna be it's it's gonna be interesting. Um I still have the Clippers um coming out. Um I also think you have nobody's going to want to face in the first round Oklahoma City. You don't want nothing to do with them dudes. They're going to get you on your nerves, and they're going to take a little bit out of you. Utah's getting their legs under them. Connolly, Connolly's kind of fitting in finally. So a, a, a healthy a healthy um, Utah Jazz team is another one that's going to be a, a kind of a little bit of a pain in the gut. Denver, Denver's still kind of figuring themselves out. I don't know... They will. They're not going to give. They're not. It depends on which Jamal Murray shows up. If Jamal Murray shows up early and he has his confidence about him, they're going to be a problem for the Lakers. But I don't think they have. I, I don't think they have. I think they're. I think they're. They're a better matchup. They're a better matchup for the Lakers than they are for the Clippers. The Clippers will struggle against them. I just think another um, interesting note is uh, the fact that um, LeBron's worst road win percentage happens to be against Denver. I don't know how much water that's going to hold come playoff time, but career-wise, he I plays thought, his worst on the road against Denver. That's a I, fact. I thought it was Utah. Uh, no, it's Denver. I, I'll tell you one thing. He, they don't want any part of Utah. That's a, there's a shot block that's not going to make LeBron because we know what his numbers are outside of the outside of, outside of of the paint. If he's, and Rudy Gobert is going to be in, 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 in that lane causing problems. So it's it's um it's going to be an interesting interesting set of circumstances. It's it, it, it's going to get bloody. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there will be some carnage in there. You're going because you, you this year you have more guys that are just going to kind of muddy the waters um, than you've had in the past. I think another another matchup the Lakers don't want any part of. So two guys that nobody really wants any part of the new newly configured Houston Rockets and. The newly configured Houston Rockets and, and, and Oklahoma City. Those guys are gonna they, they're gonna get they're gonna put some sand in somebody's gears. Well, OKC and, plays very solid ball. I refuse to believe in the Rockets because Harden has done nothing to show us he's a playoff performer. The only thing I can give you is that with the way they're running small, those matchups um, those matchups become very odd and very tenuous and. I heard uh, FS1 analyst and, and show host Doug Gottlieb go into the basketball breakdown on why just attempting to go into the post and dominate size-wise against the Rockets doesn't work, and it's a bad idea. Um, I guess I'm just too simple point. of mind, um, basketball-wise. Yeah. Because here's what, you, here's what you've done now, right, with the Lakers. Let's say the Lakers match up with that. Howard is useless. Howard is useless. Um, 
and and so is McGee. So guess who has to really play now, right? Who who has to really play? So now here's the one thing: Marquise Morris may help in that regard. Um, so now you play LeBron at the five, right? Uh, I'm not you play LeBron at the four and AD at the AD at the five. Now the only problem is AD's going to have to guard Russell Westbrook, right? So you you've got you you've got you've got a couple of challenges there where it, it it's not going to be easy. And, and that's, that's really where the challenge is. It's not going to be easy. It, they, they're going to take, if they play against the Lakers, they're going to take two or three games off the Lakers early, early in the series, and that's going to be early in the, series, in, in, the, uh, in, in the playoffs, and that's going to be a problem because by the time they get to, you know, to, to the Eastern to the Western Conference Finals, right, that, that's, there's going to be a lot of wear and tear. Because the, the objective is you've got to make LeBron James play defense. Right, you know, this isn't the West, the East anymore. You now have options uh, where you, if you make him play, you're going to see that's going to have a long-term effect on how the rest of the team operates. So um, we will, we we will see where that goes. But if I have to predict who's coming out, I still got the Clippers. But I think the Clippers need to get themselves in gear too. Um, you know, Pat Beverly, Pat Beverly. Uh, Reggie Jackson's presence there kind of helps him out, so he doesn't have to. You know, it kind of gives him a little bit of a little bit of a wrinkle in terms of being able to, um, you know, what they what they throw at the defenses. But Pat, you know, these guys have kind of been coasting a little bit. Paul George hasn't had one of the better se- better seasons. Um, he looks like he's still kind of adjusting to playing with that level of talent. And the injuries, um, of course, he can't. He hasn't uh-huh. been able. The injuries, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Exactly, and Kawhi Leonard tends to hold the ball quite a bit, right? He, the ball, he, he's a, he's he's a little bit of a ball stopper. That's understated quite a bit. He's he's he, and and I don't normally talk. I don't normally point those guys out, but he is he's a little bit of a ball stopper. So I think they they need to get a little bit more fluidity to their offense. Um, and that's on Doc Rivers, but I think um, if 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 they get that right, they're unstoppable. Fair enough. Defensively, so. what defensively what they can throw out on the floor, um, you have you have their versatile, and I trust and I trust Doc. I trust Doc's coaching. I trust Doc's coaching quite a bit. All right. Um, well, let's uh, let's leave it there. Got to run. But uh, it's been great having you. Uh, appreciate uh, your thoughts and your contributions to the format as always. And um, we're going to do this again soon because obviously uh, there's a lot more I want to talk to you about. And, of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, uh, the NBA season uh, is, is now really in high gear, obviously, with football being done. So we're going to have a lot more time just to focus on, on hoops. So um, thanks again for joining us, Andy, and uh, talk to you next time. Bruce, listen, I'm always here, as you know. Um, <laughs> right. just, reach out, just reach out as needed, my brother. I look forward to doing this again with you. All right, have a good one, man. So that's it for this week's episode of the Format Podcast. Uh, thank you for taking the time to join me. If you're a returning listener, I appreciate all the uh, love and support. Appreciate that. Um, if you're a new listener, thank you so much for taking the time to to check in and listen to me. Um Hope I gave you some some interesting things to think about. Uh, hope I entertained you, didn't bore you too much, and uh, definitely hope you'll come back. 
Um, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, we're working hard to continue to give you uh, my own unique thoughts and, and opinions on things every week and uh, just uh, look at sports a little bit outside the box and a little different outlook on things. As you can tell, I'm not necessarily a conventional thinker on a lot of uh, sports topics. With that said, if you want to get at me, you can definitely reach me on social media. You can catch me on Twitter at Bruce F.A. Hope. That's at Bruce F.A. Hope. You can catch me on Instagram at The Format Podcast. That's at The Format Podcast. Definitely love to hear from listeners. Um, if uh, if you like the show, definitely reach out. Let me know. If you hate the show, let me know that too. If you think I'm the biggest idiot talking sports out here, let me know that. But also let me know why. We could talk about it. We could debate it. Whatever you want to do. I just love the interaction overall. Um, also, uh, if you want to suggest topics that we can discuss, if you have questions, if you maybe want to suggest new segment ideas, I'm, I'm definitely open to all of that. Like I said, I love the interaction and I take it seriously and I take it as, you know, indication that people are listening, people are enjoying it, people are hating it, whatever. But um, definitely give me a shout. Let me know. Um, if you do enjoy the show, also, don't keep it to yourself. Um, definitely let other people know about it. Let them know where they can find it. It's anchor.fm forward slash the dash format. Anchor.fm forward slash the dash format. You can also find it on uh, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, um, Stitcher, Overcast, and many other podcast applications. So we're out there for you to listen if you're interested, if you want to share it. We're out there for people to listen to it, however they get their podcast. Um, all podcasts are written, recorded, and produced by myself, Bruce Hope. And uh, yeah, that's about it. That's what I got. Thanks again for listening. Hope you uh, come back next week. And I'm out. Peace. <laughs>